is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the state unemployment office is facing a surge the likes of which have not been seen before in Florida. Hundreds of thousands of people have already lost their jobs in the hotel and restaurant industries, and Florida has the stingiest unemployment benefits in the country. The governor travels to South Florida to open a new coronavirus testing facility at Hard Rock Stadium. The head of Florida's emergency management office has some harsh words for people who insist on partying in large groups during a pandemic. Two state senators are asking why it took so long for the state to begin responding to the virus, and they're expressing some doubts about the performance of Scott Rivkes, who runs the state health department. You'll hear from Janet Cruz and Lori Berman on the Sunrise interview. Today is the day the governor had planned to appoint two new justices to the Florida Supreme Court. You can probably guess that is not going to happen yet. We'll also have your calendar of political events in an era of social distancing, and we'll check in with two Florida men who came up with very different and both very illegal ways to deal with coronavirus. And now, the top stories on Sunrise for Monday, March 23rd. Now that coronavirus has shut down the hotels and restaurants in Florida, the state unemployment office is facing a tidal wave of claims. They don't actually call it unemployment anymore. It's been renamed reemployment. Florida provides a maximum of $275 per week for no more than 12 weeks. So unemployment barely covers the rent, let alone the necessities of life, and it runs out real fast. Applying for benefits is a complicated procedure that has to be done online, and it's fairly common for people to spend hours on the system only to have their computer kicked out. The process is so convoluted that more than 70% of the Floridians who qualify for unemployment benefits don't even receive them. The state makes the system as complicated as possible and as cheap as possible because business likes it that way. It keeps their insurance rates low. But Governor Ron DeSantis says it's time to make some changes by cutting some of the red tape applicants face when they apply. There's um, some emergency unemployment uh, triggers, uh, so we're going to be seeking that, and I'll, and I'll probably be submitting something on that uh, very soon. So you know, bottom line is, you know, we have various tools at the disposal to help those who've been displaced, um, and, and, and we want to use them. I'm also going to look into Florida has, I think, generally speaking, um, you know, justifiable uh, restrictions on getting um, unemployment assistance. In other words, you have to be show you're looking for work and do some of these things. Um, and that's just a way so that, you know, we want people to work rather than be on this. Um, in this case, I think it's, um, it's such a dislocation that uh, I, I think I can probably waive some of that, but we're going to be looking into seeing what I can waive to be able to get people um, uh, uh, cash in their hands who've been dislocated from this. We're expanding the, the call center for the Department of Economic Opportunity. You know, it's interesting as you go through these budgets and stuff, I remember bringing in Lawson, he's going through his different line items showing where he could save money. And the unemployment part was like the place, in terms of like the, the staff, because no, I mean, we had, it was under, under 4%, then under 35 then even under 3%. And it was like there was just no business in, in doing unemployment compensation. So now we're in a different different situation. So I've ordered Ken. I've directed him to beef that up. And I think that I think that they will. And um, hopefully with the th round three in the federal, there'll be even more for the small businesses. You know, we have the fifty dollar fifty million bridge loans. You have the SBA. Uh, but I think if they can do even more, um, you, know, you hate to see someone go out of business because of some external event that had nothing to do with any decisions that they made. And so keeping some of these businesses solvent for at least the short term, now that may make the difference about whether we can bounce back quicker or whether this would be more of a prolonged economic struggle. 
A study published by the Economic Policy Institute estimates Florida will lose about 5% of its jobs by the summer, a total of 352,000 of them, and that may be conservative. Just last week, the American Hotel and Lodging Association estimated that 400,000 people who work in their business in Florida have already been laid off. Governor DeSantis traveled to South Florida Sunday to preside over the opening of a new coronavirus testing facility, this one at the Hard Rock Stadium. This is the second uh, federally supported site in Florida. Uh, the first one opened yesterday in Duval County uh, at the Jacksonville Jaguars Stadium. Uh, they tested uh, 288 people, uh, which was a good thing. Um, there also wasn't as strong a demand as there was in our Broward test site, uh, which may just mean fewer people up in that part of the state are symptomatic. We'll have to see as this, as this goes on. Orange County, Florida, this is set to open on Wednesday, another federally supported test site. Those are uh, uh, opportunities for folks to be able to go in and get tested. Uh, there's enough supplies uh, to test in each, set, in each um, location, uh, about 2,500 people right now. Obviously, we want to backfill and add more supplies. The big concern now is supplying enough masks and protective gear for health care workers. Florida Emergency Management Director Jared Moskowitz says they're beginning to arrive. We have about 300,000 N95 masks that came in yesterday that are going to be blasted out to all of the mission requests to fill the most critical needs first. And then over the next week, uh, we are receiving 2 million more N95 masks that we will get out uh, uh, to uh, healthcare workers, nursing homes, uh, and folks, uh, even at the Department of Children and Families who are doing inspections. And I thank them uh, for their efforts. Uh, we have set up a field hospital that's being constructed currently in Broward County. One more is on its way here to Dade County, and we will get that uh, set up as well. Each field hospital can accommodate 250 people, and that really is uh, a segue between uh, a hospital and then potentially having to set up an additional permanent facility. We've also gone out and procured uh, 3,000 beds, including ICU beds, so that we can expand capacity at current hospitals, as well as having 300-plus nurses and physician assistants on standby so that we can surge into a hospital uh, at any point in time, as well as having 300 medics uh, with the National Guard. The governor has been holding media availabilities every day to talk about the virus and the state's effort to contain the spread. But is the administration doing enough? Senator Janet Cruz of Tampa says the answer is no. She's concerned about Florida Surgeon General Scott Rivkes, who runs the state health department and serves as the governor's point man in the fight against COVID-19. Although he is a very, very bright physician, we were all worried about his lack of experience when it comes to public health. And I think that we're seeing that now where um, the governor's office in Moskowitz have tried to mitigate this. But a true public health expert would have been offering mitigation plans and strategies immediately. Now we're really, really far behind the curve here. And, um, you know, I feel like the only guidance we received for a few weeks was wash your hands. Senator Lori Berman of Boynton Beach says Rivkes was too secretive during the early days of the pandemic, and she says he should have done a better job convincing the governor of the immediate danger. I really think as the, as the health officer, he should have been giving the governor more guidance as to closing down businesses and the beaches and public areas. The state has not really taken the lead in that area. Unfortunately, the counties have had to be the ones who have stepped up to the plate and said, we, we want this closed, we want that closed. And I really think that we're learning from the, the medical professionals that coronavirus is spreading 
and we need to do everything we can to stop it. And the way to do it is to be closing down social contact at this point. Senators Berman and Cruz will be our guests on the Sunrise interview later in the podcast. Now, they're not the only ones worried that so many Floridians are ignoring the advice to maintain a six-foot distance from each other and to limit their contacts. Emergency Management Director Jared Moskowitz says young people who insist on partying with friends in the midst of a global pandemic should realize they're playing a very deadly game. Social distancing works. And even if something is open still, it doesn't mean you have to go to it. I know young people are thinking that their spring break has been ruined or their summer has been ruined. But for the young people out there, you could ruin somebody's life. You could ruin somebody, a family's life by not social distancing. This is just a spring break. It's just a summer. The beaches will still be there. And so we need everybody to do their part. If one segment of the community doesn't do their part, it affects everybody else. Uh, and so we can isolate people uh, that are older and, and that are susceptible to this, and we are doing that every single day. But we need the young people to do their part. Call your neighbor. If you know your neighbor is older, if you know your neighbor has an underlying illness, call to see if they need supplies. Uh, you can be a hero. Now is the time for everyone to step up. Uh, we know that this doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're rich or you're poor. It doesn't matter your race, your nationality, your creed, your sexual orientation. It does not matter. It affects everybody. But it affects older people more. And we want everyone to do whatever they can to try to help their neighbor and help the older uh, population. To keep sick people from spreading the virus to family members, state officials are looking at the possibility of putting them up in empty hotels and convention centers. The idea is to isolate folks who have the virus but don't need hospitalization. The governor says some hotel owners have already offered to allow the use of their facilities. Meanwhile, the coronavirus is keeping the Florida Supreme Court short-staffed. Today is the deadline for the governor to announce the appointment of two new justices to the high court, but DeSantis says that's on the back burner for now because he hasn't had time to review all the nominees. I have not had time to really read all the opinions in the way that I think I need to or the writing samples. And so um, I will most likely delay under the state of emergency that deadline, probably push it back to May 1st. Um, I think there's some great candidates. I'm not saying you can really even go wrong, um, but I don't think uh, my time is very well spent right now. The court is functioning fine for me to be taking my eye off the ball of the stuff that, that everyone's so concerned about to be reading uh, some of these opinions. And so I think that can happen in due time, and then we'll be able to, uh, to make those selections. And so we will not be making the selections by Monday. Uh, I just don't see it as being practical, given uh, all the things we're dealing with as a state. This judicial shortage should not have much of an effect because the court system is already pretty much shut down for all but essential business. Next up on the Sunrise interview, we talk with two state senators who had reservations about the governor's nomination of Scott Rivkes to run the Department of Health. After watching the way the state dealt with coronavirus over the past couple of weeks, they are convinced there was good cause for concern. This is Sunrise from Florida Politics. We all know that guy who says he knew Trump was going to win long before election night. Had he known about Predict It, he could have put his money where his mouth was and made a little extra cash in the process. Predict It is like the stock market for politics. You can buy and sell shares in future events and elections, both foreign and domestic. During the 2018 midterms, Predict It beat other national pollsters like Nate Silver in election night predictions, and it wasn't even close. It's easy and only costs a few bucks to get started. Our listeners can get a special introductory offer by visiting predictit.org slash promo slash F-L-A-P-O-L.
Welcome back to Sunrise. Joining us now for the interview, we have two state senators. We have Lori Berman standing by in South Florida and Janet Cruz standing by in Tampa Bay. First, let's go to Senator Berman. And uh, I understand you have some pretty serious concerns about the way the state is responding to the coronavirus. Thank you so much for having me on today, Rick, and glad to be here with my colleague, Janet Cruz. Um, I, I really am concerned about the testing that we have done in the state. Up until this time, we have really not, people have not been able to get access to tests. I have constituents calling me that they're ill, they're showing symptoms, but they haven't been able to show contact with someone who was out of the country or someone who has the virus and they haven't been able to get the test. So I'm really concerned about the numbers of people who probably have the virus. And also we need to make sure that people are getting treated. So I think there's there's some big concerns here in the state of Florida. Senator Cruz, your comments? I agree completely with Senator Berman. And, you know, a gigantic issue that we have, and, um, you know, in speaking with Director Moskowitz, is that we just can't get supplies for testing. Um, you know, we're short on swabs and they are scurrying and begging um, everywhere that they can for some supplies. It's really quite frustrating. And, you know, it's easy to point a finger at someone and say, I told you so. But I will tell you that there were several of us on the health care committee that that had grave um, concerns and great trepidation about confirming Rifke, um, although he is a very, very bright um, physician, um, we were all worried about his lack of experience um, when it comes to public health. And I think that we're seeing that now where um, the governor's office in Moskowitz have tried to mitigate this. But a true public health expert would have been offering mitigation plans and strategies immediately. Now we're really, really far behind the curve here. And, um, you know, I feel like the only guidance we received for a few weeks was wash your hands. So what more should Scott Rivkes have been doing as the state's Surgeon General and Chief Health Officer? For sure, we should have had trans- a lot more transparency. From the very beginning, they didn't even want to tell us who was being tested, where the people were being tested. Eventually, they started giving us that information. But also, I, I really think as the-, as the health officer, he should have been giving the governor more guidance as to closing down um, businesses and the beaches and public areas. Um, the state has not really taken the lead in that area. Unfortunately, the counties have had to be the ones who have stepped up to the plate and said, we, we want this closed, we want that closed. And I really think that we're learning from the, the medical professionals that coronavirus is spreading and we need to do everything we can to stop it. And the way to do it is to be closing down social contact at this point. I agree. And Rick, you know, three days ago here in Tampa Bay, um, the beaches were jam-packed with um, with partiers and, and spring breakers all over the beaches. We should have had those beaches closed weeks ago um, before people headed down here for spring break. This morning there were, uh, I don't know if it's two or four cases of students um, that are infected at the University of Tampa who had traveled for spring break. Um, so they're quarantining a, a group of students, but that could spread across an entire college campus. It's really frustrating that we've been slow to respond um, to shutting down. I think that I, we can expect uh, some mandatory shutdown in Tampa probably tomorrow. Um, 
but we're slow. We should have been doing this. We should have been addressing this weeks ago. And if we had a stronger leader um, at public health and someone with public health experience, uh, I think that we would have been ahead of the curve rather than behind it. I noticed that Commissioner uh, Nikki Free, the Agriculture Commissioner, has actually gone so far as to call for a statewide stay-at-home order. Uh, Senator Berman, do you think that's a wise idea? I do. I, I really think we need to do it. I think, you know, we saw yesterday pictures, um, uh, you may have seen them on social media, of Lake Boca Raton, right in, in Palm Beach County, where boaters were out having a huge party. Boats were tied together. People were going from boat to boat. Um, and you can't have that kind of situation going on when we really need to be slowing down the the spread of this disease. And if it requires everybody to stay in, then that's what we need to do. All the you know public health stories I've been reading say we need to be closed down right now. We needed to be closed down two weeks ago, but and even maybe probably even four weeks ago, but for sure right now. And, you know, 40% of those hospitalized are under 50. So, um, you know, folks that think that this will just be a flu for them or that, uh, you know, that we are being a bit histrionic about this are wrong. And when you have a young, typically healthy population being hospitalized, um, imagine what that does for our senior population that get much sicker um, you know, our hospitals are full of, of all ages. It's a wide spectrum, but, um, you know, this can happen and this can make anyone very, very sick. I just read an article that there's a 12-year-old in the in Georgia who's on a ventilator in a hospital with no risk factors and no, no you know, prior problems. So I think we need to take this really, really seriously. And if it means shutting down the state and getting the the situation under control, I support that. Now, I, I know we all get upset when we see the pictures of people down at the beaches doing their little boat parties and all, but is there really anything you can do to stop people from being stupid, I guess is, is the bottom line what I'm wondering. No, I don't think we can legislate stupidity, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> but I do think that we, you know, I'm just begging people to take this seriously. When I talk to people who say, oh, I went to Walmart or Target today, I'm thinking, you know, if you don't care enough about yourself, please care about your grandparents and your parents who are older who might not survive um, this infection. You know, I just, people just are not taking this as seriously as they should. Yeah, I mean, I, there's no question that we can't legislate stupidity, but I saw yesterday that the mayor in Miami is closing down all the marinas and um, boat ramps. And so anything we can do like that, help the situation you know people may still get together in their homes and that we can't stop but we need to to get the message out that this is extraordinarily serious and people need to really pay attention is it time to start uh, talk to Go ahead. a friend of mine yesterday who was flabbergasted that she was receiving text messages from some of the moms that uh that she knows with children that go to to school with her children inviting them over for play dates and uh, she said, you know, we're shut down and we're taking this very seriously, but I can't believe that people are still inviting each other to play date. I just don't know what it will take um, for people to lock down and understand that their lives are at risk. As I understand it, the daycare centers are still open 
Is is that something that should be changed? Yeah, so what, and Berman, why don't you address what you heard yeah. today? Yeah, so what I heard today was, um, well, a couple different things. I do believe that daycare centers need to be open on a limited basis because you do have certain people like first responders um, who need a place to put their children. They do have to go to work, and they need a place to put their children. But what I heard today was some of the daycare centers are requiring people to continue to pay for the daycare services, even if they're at home with their own children or they don't want to send their children to daycare because they're worried about transmission, and that they're saying if they don't pay, they won't have a place to enroll in after the virus is passed, that they will take them out of the list of the people who are enrolled at the daycare centers. Um, I'm, I'm alarmed about this, and I just um, sent this information to the secretary of DCF, um, Chad Popple, and we'll, hopefully he will address it. Um, I don't think our daycare centers should be forcing parents to, to pay money for children who aren't attending because of either fears of the virus or the parents have been laid off and now they don't have the money and they're home with their children. But I do think on a limited basis, you do need some daycare centers open. Um, you know, some hospitals may have daycare centers that they can use for their employees, but we've got to have a place for people who actually do need to, who are our essential workers. And I think I would add that those daycare centers that are open for our first responders and our healthcare um our healthcare workers, you know, we should put in place, and this is something, again, that, you know, our health organization should be on top of, but we should have some strict guidelines as to what happens when a, when a, a child arrives at the daycare center, what happens when they leave, what do we do or what do we ensure that we're not transferring this virus as best we can. You know, like I said, until just a, a week or two ago, it all the only thing that uh, was offered was wash your hands. I mean, certainly, you know, you can tell that we are reacting to this in a very serious manner. Um, I think that the state needs to get more ahead of it. We've seen the cities, the counties taking the lead on a lot of these issues. I'd like to see the state take a little bit stronger lead on these issues, closing down, shutting down, uh, public spaces and really sending the message out that this has to be done now in order to stop the long-term effects that we see coming down the pike. Also, you know, I was reading today that the epidemiologist who um, helped defeat smallpox, he calls the president's response to COVID-19 the most irresponsible act of an elected official that he's ever witnessed in his lifetime. And that scares me in itself. I mean, I just, uh, I think we're also behind the curve because, you know, people refuse to believe that this was the uh, pandemic that it is. So my parting words are to please take this seriously, forget everything else that you've heard and understand that your life is in danger here. Senators Cruz and Berman are not the only ones critical of the state's response to coronavirus. The Miami Herald published an editorial Sunday saying Governor DeSantis has been a timid leader in the face of a growing scourge and a growing number of deaths. Your calendar of events today is a short one, and you can blame that on coronavirus. With state leaders trying to prevent large gatherings where COVID-19 can spread, agencies are postponing or canceling meetings across the state, and meetings that are still being held are happening through conference calls or video conferencing. 
Three Democratic congresswomen, including Debbie Wasserman Schultz, will be joining Terry Rizzo, the chairman of the state Democratic Party, in a media conference call to mark the 10th anniversary of the Federal Affordable Care Act. That's happening at 930. The Department of Elder Affairs Advisory Council is holding a conference call at 10. And the Florida State University Board of Trustees will hold a conference call at 11 o'clock. And it's time once again for the ongoing adventures of Florida Man, who is coping with coronavirus about as well as you would expect. A Florida man has been busted after police say he beat up a pregnant woman because he thought she had coronavirus. Cape Coral cops arrested 24-year-old Joseph Newell and charged him with one count of aggravated battery. The arresting officer says he saw Newell straddling the woman who is six months pregnant and had to pull her off the victim physically. He says Newell was intoxicated, kept rambling about COVID-19, and said he attacked the woman because he thought she had the coronavirus. She was taken to the hospital for observation. And a Florida man who worked at the Marriott Hotel in Orlando's Tourism District has been charged with stealing 66 rolls of toilet paper. They're only worth 99 cents a roll, but 31-year-old Angel Hernandezinto has been charged with theft from a public lodging establishment, which is a third-degree felony and could mean up to five years in jail. According to the arrest report, he told the security guard who caught him that he was taking the toilet paper to the family of an unemployed friend. He also apologized. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.